0: Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission has been to formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie has also created clean protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything your cat expects you to know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment, often sharing my conversation with feline expert Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. The festival premieres every fall in New York City and then travels to theaters across America and Canada with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations with the support of Dr. Elsie's. I am delighted to welcome Aaron Hancock to the show. He made such a good documentary called Running Wild, The Cats of Cornwall, and it looks at the issue of TNR and community cats from every aspect, those for, those against, the law. Aaron, you did an amazing job. What a a hard job to try and look at the, the story of these cats. You're based in Toronto, but Cornwall is quite a distance from you, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good five-hour drive, pretty Whoa. Well with a, uh, so, the other side of the province.
0: Lordy. So when you did you learn first about this issue when it went to court, the issue of whether people could or should be looking after community cats or whether the government should be helping? Did you learn about it from the legal point of view and then realize there was a bigger story?
1: You know, I, I actually learned about um, the situation in Cornwall from the news um the I have family that lives in in that part of Ontario and uh they sent me the news they thought I'd be interested in it but at that time it was getting a lot of press uh that it was actually going national because the situation was so bad in that town so um that's how it got on my radar
0: explain how what do you mean by that bad it wasn't really that there was nine million cats it was really the people were at each other weren't they
1: Yeah, yeah. Neighbors were at each other. People were moving neighborhoods because of the cats. Um, There were cat hoarders everywhere. And uh, most notably, nothing was getting done about it, save for really a handful of people that were just doing it out of their own goodwill, which which is really remarkable.
0: And often the case with community cats, people do the TNR, they trap the cats, they take them to a vet who may or may not help with uh, uh, the t- doing the spay and neuter and then vaccinating them or microchipping them. So it, it usually is. Those looking after community cats are usually doing it out of their own pocketbook and certainly out of a, a sense of, of the animal's need. Canada is a big country. We, we in America sort of think of America as one place, which it's clearly not at all. And neither is Canada <laughs> – uh, it's many different provinces with very different histories and cultures. Toronto being yeah. one of the most, you know, urban and and uh, whatever that means, just let's say urban. So, what do you think the general feeling is in your province about community cats, or even in Toronto? Are there uh, c- feral cats who are looked after by humans in the city?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Toronto is a huge metropolis, and uh, thankfully we have a lot of support from the city to um, publicly fund TNR and and deal with the problem of feral cats. So we're very fortunate. It's also a city with, um, there's some economic issues, but generally it's a fairly wealthy city. Right. Uh, Cornwall, Ontario is uh, at the easternmost tip of Ontario and, and bordering on um, upstate New York as well, right across uh, St. Lawrence River. And it was a former industrial hub and it has fallen on hard times. And there is absolutely no support or there wasn't, I should say, any public support whatsoever. And what started as, you know, several isolated problems of cat hoarders and feral cats ballooned without any intervention, really. And um, that's why it was an interesting story, because you could kind of see. Uh, how bad things can get uh, even you, in a small town
0: right and as you say a small town which so many industrial towns in the northeast in america and and certainly in canada that used to have a thriving uh, sort of a, an engine for everyone to be employed and to feel uh, okay. okay and then the bottom fell out of their lives but but it's yeah. interesting about the government helping with tnr now I don't think the government in the United States, anywhere I've ever heard about, helps. We have wonderful shelters, some of which are municipal and, and get tax dollars. But it seems to be mostly volunteers in the U.S. So you in Toronto, the government funds this taking care of community <laughs> cats? That's kind of astoundingly yeah, yes, enlightened.
1: A... <laughs> yeah, there is um, a, you know, a portion of, of the municipal taxes that go toward... Um, you know, um, everything from, you know, collecting your garbage to actually um, uh, publicly funded TNR. Wow. We are we are very lucky. It wasn't always this way. But uh, Toronto used to have a problem, you know, 20 years ago or so. And due to advocacy and and a change at City Hall, there was a public initiative that started, and really, you do not see a lot of feral cats, even though you know our metro area is, you know, like seven million people. You don't right. see a lot. Right, you of don't cats see everywhere. them, but
0: they're there. They're actually being looked after in their colonies. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. There are colonies and colony caretakers, and and um, there are tons of uh, volunteers in Toronto. But the idea that um, there is a spreading or roaming. Uh, free-roaming cat population in Toronto is just really not a reality like it is in in Cornwall.
0: I think what's really wonderful about your documentary, Running Wild, is that it really does look at it from all points of view. And you had people next door to, it's interesting you call them hoarders. They didn't really strike me as hoarders so much as, well, I don't know, um, misguided cat lovers, because to my mind, hoarders is animals kept in an enclosure or kept, you you know, kind of confined and allowed to breed and then they're full of disease and then they're not properly looked after from the vet point of view or the nutrition point of view. Whereas the idea that there's free roaming cats who are not spayed and neutered doesn't, to my mind, sound like hoarding, but that is the way it was characterized in Cornwall, right? And there's a young woman in the film, who's very touching, very endearing, who looks after the, the tiniest kittens. Did you view her as a hoarder as part of the problem? I mean, I know as a documentarian, you're you're theoretically objective, but you're a human being. What did you think? Did you feel that she was part of those that don't really get it, that you, there's too many cats?
1: Uh, no, personally, I don't, although um, I'm sure that point of view is out there. Um, I think you're talking about Melissa Alpens, yes. and she a, a kitten rescue, so one of the things that she does is bring in orphaned kittens uh around the city or and some are they're brought to her now she operates out of her basement, so she has limited capacity, but she is a no kill um, uh, rescue, you know, so she'll rehabilitate these orphan kittens, bottle feed them, and try to get them adopted out as pets. So she will not. Uh, she's definitely not a hoarder, and she doesn't try to um, rehabilitate them to put them outside. She right. will get them, uh, get them their shots, and and uh, get them adopted out to good homes to try and break the cycle of of, of, of feral cats. But there are hoarders in the city. They're, they're not really the focus of the film. No. I think we do briefly feature some people who are. Um, yeah, perhaps misguided, and don't understand the 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 extent of the problem that is citywide in Cornwall. They think that maybe by just uh, indiscriminately seeding as many cats as they right. want, there's nothing wrong. But uh, in in fact, um, it's it's not really helping the situation. Um, it's it's the a very know,
0: educational is- film because that that fact is true year around the world. I mean, you take islands in Greece that have many of them been, quote-unquote, overrun with cats. And there's always yeah. either local people or often expats who come to to visit and then wind up living there. And, they, and those people, the more enlightened ones, realize that just going around in your station wagon or on your bicycle and putting out food twice a day in various spots is only exacerbating the problem. And I think your film really shows that, that they're good-hearted and they think, oh, these poor starving cats. But every cat you feed is making that cat more ready to breed again and make another oh. half a dozen or dozen little starving, <laughs> sickly babies that then the Melissa's of the world have to try and save. I mean, it's, it's yeah, definitely percent. a cycle that has to be broken and it's not by feeding. Mm-hmm. Feeding is feeding yes. if you've got a colony where they've all been trapped, neutered, and returned to an area. That's, that makes sense, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, and in the film, um, there is one such character named Linda who uh, has a colony that she maintains. And you can see the interaction of fixed cats that have been tnr and, and and ones that haven't, and the kind of complicated dynamics in the colony that, that exists. So That's right. she, with, support, with support, she is able to get some of these cats in her colony that she does feed responsibly TNR'd and then they're returned to her. However, um, no sooner does she do that, that other free roaming cats that haven't been fixed come in and kind of start muscling their way in. And I think what we tried to show in the film is that TNRs can be very effective but it can't be done in isolation it has to be really widespread to That's hit a right. certain threshold otherwise you're just kind of um, pushing a you know a mountain up a molehill
0: yeah or, or kicking the can down the road or any of those kind of uh, metaphors i guess that you can, it's an ongoing struggle until you kind of spay and neuter as many as as close to 100% of the cats as you can I mean, that's sort of the that's end it. goal. The end goal isn't to just keep some. The babies who are already born, those the bottle feeding, which is incredibly laborious. It's so much work. It's tremendous devotion. Oh, yeah. It's like every hour you know, for weeks. Those cats are oh, the yeah. most adoptable because if they came from a feral bloodline, they're the most human-oriented. I mean, those are really great kitties to adopt. They're just all about people because they've— that that met melissa's been their mom since they were teensy yes so i guess yeah that's, that's right you know sorry go ahead
1: no i just i you know i um my wife and i just uh, uh welcomed our first child uh about nine days ago
0: oh my god and, congratulations a two-legged child you. right <laughs> a two-legged child
1: <laughs> that's right we 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 adopt we adopted two kitties uh rescue kitties but uh, this is our this is a child that uh, my wife gave birth to and We've been, um, we've been, you know, going through the challenges of, of feeding and breastfeeding and bottle feeding and, and all the cluster feeding. And, uh, you know, our baby at, in the first week had to be fed every two hours. So I am just imagining what it would be like to not sleep and be Melissa and feed yes. these cats every hour. <laughs> yeah, every hour and, and then
0: uh, give them away. And work really hard That's to make it. sure they're going to a good home. It's extraordinary. The, the people who who have this devotion to the neonate kittens, the little newborn kittens, which will absolutely die unless they're looked after yes. by humans, is extraordinary because it's one success story after another. And the payoff is completely unselfish because you don't get to live with okay. that cat and say, I remember you, you when you only weighed half an ounce. You, know? You're just, you got That's a whole it. new crop of them coming in. Well, and you also show the legal side in the movie, the legal side of what went on in the town hall or the justice system, the local, local, local justice system. Did you think in the end that that was that that was the effective resolution of the problem of people not wanting cats next door to be defecating in their flower beds or screaming, you know, screaming and chasing each other, which is what cats do when they aren't spayed and neutered? Do you think that the legal there was a legal remedy? Yeah, you know, I think feral cats are um,
1: a, pr- a problem of, of human creation. Yes. And so for us to find a solution, it, there will be no silver bullet. We have to come at it from a multi-pronged approach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube now that we have <laughs> cats and
0: <Yeah. laughs>
1: and have cats beware. Um, you know, and, and cats are not fully domesticated certainly not to the extent that that dogs are they're really about halfway there so we've got this great loving pet in our in our living rooms that the minute they step outside they are technically an invasive species and create all kinds of havoc um, both to our ecosystems as well as disrupting people's ways ways of life that's right Um, and i think that's no so um it's not as simple as just keeping your cats inside, especially if your cat it loves being outside because they're just going to sit at the door and meow all day long. And then, you know, who knows what else they'll they'll do in your own That's home. Right, Maybe they'll start sure. defecating it. So it's about a, a, a potpourri of solutions. And I think that having bylaws is important and um, discouraging um irresponsible pet ownership is really important that's part of it so i'm, I'm pleased that the city of cornwall which previously had zero bylaws uh, pertaining to cats um started implementing some cats you know dogs are traditionally dogs used to roam freely sure right? they in did everywhere until, <laughs> mm-hmm. until it became a problem and they were you know getting in getting into other people's gardens and and chasing animals and right. defecating on the neighbor's lawn yep. and then bylaws came into play. And cats, for all the reasons we've already stated, are still viewed as these wonderful, exotic, um, wild creatures that also just happen to uh, tolerate humans to a certain extent. (laughs) Uh, But because if we own them, we need to be responsible for them. So if they go outside, they need to be, they should be supervised. That's right. Or given stimulation that doesn't allow them just to roam freely and and or mate freely, because that's really... um, that, that opens up a whole can of worms.
0: I think supervision's a great word. And if the community were a wealthy one, everyone could be encouraged to put a catio on the back of their house. And if they wanted their cat to have some outdoor time, but that's, you know, the problems of the 1%. Hmm, what kind of wood shall I use to build my catio? This is not realistic for, you know, your average person, whether it's economic or time or energy or even a place to put one. I think you've put it really well. And I think your film Running Wild the cats of Cornwall is a, a really good look from all aspects of how community cats can run amok and how people can turn on each other, but then turn to each other to work out a solution. So I think it's a really, a really nice job, Aaron, And I hope you continue to make documentaries about animals in our lives and in our communities because you you clearly are a true documentarian. You show things from every point of view, which is rare. So thank you for your wonderful work on behalf of cats and the people who love them and the people who can't stand them next door. Both of We all owe you a gratitude for that.
1: Well, I really appreciate that, and um, and uh, thank you for mentioning that uh, people that don't like Cats might also <laughs> appreciate the film. because Yes, true. So definitely. So yes,
0: from all points of view. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of Cats Everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, which created their own clean protein cat foods, inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey to better satisfy a cat's appetite with ingredients naturally intended for her body. 90% of the protein in clean protein is animal-based, not plant-based, as in many cat foods, which can compromise cat's health. Clean protein is the first dry cat food I can personally recommend as a healthy choice, although I always hope that wet food will be your cat's primary diet. Thanks again for being here.